Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Tuesday, January 4th. Happy New Year, everyone. And I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Back in Montreal. Uh, back to work yesterday. Minus 22. It was almost like the city was waiting to greet me. Uh, I've had a nice couple of days settling in and just kind of readjusting outside of vacation lifestyle. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Uh, also getting reacclimated to uh, to the regular work week, um, but otherwise feeling okay. Besides all of the restrictions that came down mm. <laughs> in the last couple of days, um, yeah, pre- just preparing myself for a little bit of hibernation for the next month, which uh, might be for the betterment of this podcast. Yeah, there you go. That's something for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, let's get back on track here. We're going to talk some sports. And with the time that we have to spend inside, it'll be more time watching football, watching basketball, watching hockey as as the seasons get back from their postponements uh, and and continue to rock and roll away. Uh, We'll talk a little bit of NFL off the top here. Some big news before that. And then uh, some basketball and and some talking hockey. Uh, And we are going to at some point release our year in review podcast just us talking about our favorite sports moments from uh, the year that was 2021 so expect that hitting the airwaves sometime this week as a little bonus that we can add uh, to our 100th episode coming up soon as well yeah I, i think we owe an episode or two in there so just making up for lost time exactly exactly uh so busy podcast week for us Uh, And without further ado, I will get to the big news off the top here. Big news for me, maybe not for the rest of the sports world, but Toronto FC, uh, a popular team here uh, in the city of Toronto, making the biggest signing uh, in the MLS by about double the previous amount. They've captured and signed Lorenzo Insigne uh, to a five-year contract that will pay him upwards of $11 million. The previous highest player in the MLS, uh, Carlos Vela, at around $6.2 million. So a a sizable contract. And TFC willing to spend the big bucks to get back to their winning ways. Lorenzo Insigne is quite the signing, though, for uh, the MLS, kind of putting them on the map at this point. He played and started for Italy at the most recent Euro Cup. Uh, He's also been on their 2016 Euro team and their 2018 World Cup team. Uh, he is five foot four, 130 pounds. So similar to Sebastian Giovinco, TFC fans remember fondly. Uh, but he is a superstar. He's coming from C- directly from Syria, uh, which you don't see very often, but the highest league they have there in Italy uh, from Napoli. And he's going to jump in and, and instantly provide impact, I believe, just he's just a, such a higher class player than what you have in the MLS. And I can picture him having a huge impact, which is why TFC has spent so much to grab him. Uh, but really looking forward to, to him joining the club. What it does mean though, is that one of TFC's international signings that they have made. So uh, one of Pozuelo, Soteldo or Josie Altidore, will have to be on their way out the door to make room. I'm not sure the exact rule, but that's what has to happen. 
um, the two latter candidates in Altidore and Soteldo, the most likely candidates to be on, on their way out. Uh, but looking forward to Insigne joining the club, and it's probably the biggest signing in the MLS for what the player is right now at the peak of their powers. Obviously, MLS has had some bigger names, but uh, more of a retirement journey for players like Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, uh, Jermaine Defoe, uh, I guess nothing, not a, not many guys really rattle off my head afterwards, uh, after those three, but uh, a couple more have come through the retirement league. That is the MLS, but Insigne doing so at a relatively early age, I believe he's 30 years of age. So right in the prime of his career and looking forward to seeing the impact that he's going to have on TFC. There's just so many soccer players I've never heard of. Like I saw a headline in the sports Reddit about like the most voted athlete of the year. And it was some European soccer player whose name I've never heard before. And that was about like half the comments reacting. I think like heavy Euro bias in the voting, right? You want to, you want to give me the uh, guess on the name? I, I really couldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a photo, not even what they look like. This is fun game actually. We could try and look it up later on, but maybe I have some like David and then like kind of Eastern European, like Divens type sound in my mental list. But I think that's totally out of my ass. And if I look it up, it's not going to be even close. And, and nationality at all? Nope. Okay. All right. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. This is maybe not the best uh, segment. I thought it was going to be a little bit more exciting, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Could be an idea down the road. Max uh, Max describes players and Owen tries to name them with his limited soccer knowledge. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> see some potential here. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Until then, uh, that's it for international football. We're going to come to the United States and talk a little bit of college football. Saturday, uh, the two semifinals for the national championship, as well as a multitude of other bowl games going on that weekend. Uh, we had the Mayo Bowl. We had the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Uh, we had the Cotton Bowl, which I believe was one of the semifinals. Uh, the Rose Bowl, of course, a famous one. Lots and lots of bowls, lots of college football to uh, kind of feed everyone's uh, excitement for college football. And and uh, a couple of the bigger games that we had written down uh, for the college football playoff ended up being the less exciting two of the weekend. Alabama and Georgia, the two SEC giants, by far and away the two best teams this season, take care of their opponents. Uh, a disappointing weekend for Cincinnati and for Michigan. Um, two teams that were not the worst loss that we've ever seen in the college football playoffs. Uh, a couple blowouts in previous years from, from teams like Alabama and teams like Clemson and Ohio State, but uh, overall, not very close contests. What Georgia and Alabama did so well is is similar tail of tape in both games. They were able to stop the running game of both Michigan and Cincinnati, and, and that is what those two teams rely on quite heavily. And without that, they weren't able to find any magic and easy wins for those uh, two Southern teams, which we will look forward to seeing in the college championship next Monday for their rematch. Alabama, of course, winning the previous one about three weeks ago. We'll slide over to Sunday with an NFL recap. The largest result 
of the week and a huge one in determining playoff seating. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, go into Kansas City and they defeat the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on a last second field goal in that one. Joe Burrow, uh, after a monster week the week before, has another big game. Jamar Chase, fantasy MVP for all those in their championship week out there. He puts up three touchdowns, 55 fantasy points. Uh, that's a historic performance from him. And for those of you who had him in your championship or went up against him in your championship, that was probably the deciding factor. Uh, fantasy just so crazy in that way, but a big win for Cincy, uh, who now has probably cost the Chiefs their chance at the number one seed. Uh, as the Tennessee Titans just mash the uh, rolling Miami Dolphins. It wasn't even close, a disappointing result for Miami, but the Titans now, if they take care of business against Houston next week, they will be the number one seed in the AFC, which is uh, bizarre to think about after all the injuries that they've had, including, of course, Derek Henry, their MVP. Um, Mike Vrabel at this point is a shoe-in for Coach of the Year with the job he's done taking this team to potentially the number one seed with the amount of injuries that they have had to persevere through. Other big results from the weekend, the Arizona Cardinals, after a three-game losing skid, they miraculously revive themselves and defeat the Callis the Callis, the Dallas Cowboys uh, at AT&T Stadium uh, with a big win there. And, and that's one to really quiet the haters. Uh, Kyler Murray doing it all without DeAndre Hopkins, his number one receiver. And this Cardinals defense was able to uh, really make Dak Prescott look unimpressive. And he's had a couple of those stinky performances. So if you are a Cowboys fan, you have to be a little worried about Dak Prescott and, and what possible lingering injuries could be there affecting his play. Uh, other results here, the Jets led for most of the day, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come back and win that game. The biggest story out of that game, Max, have you seen this? Antonio Brown. Oh yeah. Takes off his shoulder pads, his gloves, his shirt, and tosses them into the stands and walks through the field while the play is happening and leaves the stadium, uh, just dips. He is probably done, although he hasn't been officially cut. There was news breaking that he was cut, but he hasn't been officially cut yet. They are in meetings to figure that out. I imagine he will be at some point uh, this week, but just a wild and wacky turn of events from a guy who we, sh I guess, should expect the wild and wackiness from him. He, over the last three years, has exhibited just the most bizarre decision-making um, and personality traits and, and another turn in the life of Antonio Brown and uh, released a rap track later on in the day. So I guess boosted his popularity for that, but he also uh, a big <laughs> uh, story behind this one as well. He was about to be in line for about a million dollars in contract incentives that he was pretty close to that won't end up hitting those. So he cost himself quite a bit of money. Obviously he's made a ton in his career. He's been very successful uh, in Pittsburgh, but just a shocking moment. I don't know if we've seen something like that where a player disrobes and walks straight through the field while play is happening to exit a game. There have been players who have exited at halftime or um, 
things like that, but, but a really bizarre moment. And, and that almost took over all of the storylines from NFL Sunday. What I've seen is the photo of him like waiting for an Uber outside the stadium. And it, the caption was like, he's just been informed he's been cut. But yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah. Do we know what happened? Like what triggered the spark was or set him off? From what I've read and what I've heard, it was a mixture of not getting the ball enough. It was a mixture of them losing. Coach, coaching staff must have said something, uh, but I also think he probably had his mind made up based on all of the stuff that's gone on this season with him, the fake COVID vaccination passport that he tried to pull that cost him a suspension, then missing games to health and safety protocols. I had a feeling that he was just about done with this team and, and there were, the last straw was today and he decided to maximize his uh, social media exposure by pulling the antics that he did. Uh, but I wouldn't have been surprised if this was a bit of like a pull it out of the sleeve, last choice move, uh, just as something he had planned, but wasn't sure he was going to use and then ended up decided to do. Yeah, the calculating this. <laughs> wow, it's I wouldn't like it funny timing with the Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood thing, eh? Yeah, that was a really bizarre thing that I, I saw as well. But again, similar to Antonio Brown, Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. guy with a, a well, checkered history in that regard. Uh, so it's just, just, yeah, you're right. It's amazing to see that story get buried and how much more ridiculous this one is. Yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown, man. The league will not miss you, <laughs> but the fans will. All right, uh, a couple other results here. The Las Vegas Raiders get a game-winning field goal over the Colts. They are still alive, setting up this week's most exciting game. It got flexed to Sunday night. Uh, Vegas and Los Angeles Chargers playing a win-and-get-in game uh, for the AFC wildcard. So that will be an exciting one to circle on the calendar. Uh, and then the Tennessee Titans already mentioned that, defeating Miami in convincing fashion. The poor Baltimore Ravens, Ravens man, another Less than three-point loss this time. Uh, they give up a late touchdown to the Los Angeles Rams, and somehow the Rams are 12-4 and four, despite the way that they've played this season and the up and downs that they've had. Uh, they're still in contention there for the number one seed, but Green Bay still has a hold on that, taking care of business in Minnesota, uh, and they have a game against the Lions next week to officially clinch that. Um uh, that that is one to circle, and then of course the Tennessee game against Houston, one to circle uh, in the clinching of the number one seeds over there. And then the last game, I guess, to uh, to really talk about Big Ben wins possibly his final game in Pittsburgh. Won't be sad to see him go. Uh, he's provided some great on-field moments, but some not so great off-the-field moments. And uh, in the NFC, last thing here, game to circle would be the New Orleans Saints game uh, coming up next week. If they get a gift from San Francisco and from Philadelphia in their games, then they could jump into that last seed. But we'll see. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons, um, who won't be, <laughs> who have also had a bizarre year and, and aren't a pushover, possible to lose that one. Uh, but San Francisco playing the Rams, so definitely a possible loss there. And the Eagles playing the Cowboys, another possible loss there. So it's 
there is definitely a chance that the Saints sneak in there, uh, but I don't know if they deserve it with the roulette of quarterbacks that they have employed this season. So good NFL week 17, looking forward to our first ever week 18 in the NFL. I uh, never had this before seasons already felt extra long, but there's one more week to get through. Um, and, and we'll be here to cover that. All right, moving along to basketball. It's been a little while since we did our last pod and a lot of highlight action has happened since um, last episode we were doing the good the bad and the ugly it's kind of the good the prettier and the prettiest with uh DeMar DeRozan and LeBron James probably your east and west players of the month for December um capping off a very personally successful months for both a lot of t- team success there along with that for DeMar and just firework finished the month for both players. Yeah, LeBron. I guess uh, some of those highlights came in January. Yeah, LeBron probably expending more in the gas tank than he would like yeah. to this early on in the season, but it it has been necessary. They have needed some of these wins to stay afloat. Uh, they are hanging around 500 now uh, going into their game tonight against the Sacramento Kings, which they should win. Uh, but just a ridiculous game. He knew exactly what he was doing. This Blazers team, historically bad defense, just like last year. Even still, in 30 minutes, puts up 43, 14, and 4, 2, 2. Like, just stuffing the stat sheet. Uh, A really incredible performance from him. And uh, a couple days after his 37th birthday, I don't know how many guys will ever see put on a performance like that at, at with the amount of miles that he's logged on his body. So just kind of a LeBron James appreciation moment. I know we have many, uh, but that's one that is is going into the vault to pull out uh, 20 years from now. And then DeMar. Yeah, on the other side, I, I'm sure you've seen both of these ridiculous oh, yeah. buzzer beaters, but it was uh, almost, we're almost praying last night that Orlando was going to be up by a point with, with five seconds left just so he could do it again. Not only... Is it so spectacular that he had those two buzzer beaters, but the fashion that he did them in as well, uh, obviously the one legged off his right foot three pointer against Indiana and then the pump fake kind of classic DeMar where he's drawing a foul and, and levitates in the air on his jump. And, and shoots that three over Bradley Beal to, to defeat the wizards as well. Um, those are the two moments, in my opinion, that he really needed. He's got plenty of national attention now playing in Chicago, but those are the ones that reach the casual fans that will help him be a starter in, in the upcoming All-Star game. And I think he's deserved that with the way he's played. Uh, he's definitely a top five MVP candidate. And these are the moments that really help you in the eyes of casual fans gain that attention and the voting necessary to, to make him a starter in the All-Star game. Pretty good for the 83rd best player in the league, eh? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're all screaming about that here in Toronto. Yeah. The, the league finally <clears throat> and in San Antonio. Up. Yeah. Just everywhere he plays, the man is loved. And <laughs> it's so nice to see such a wholesome presence in a basketball community that is div- constantly divided. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That first one was, did, I don't know if you heard what he said about it after. Uh, no, I might have missed it. 
Oh, so he thought he had longer on the shot clock. <laughs> and then he looked up and realized he was out of time and just chucked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so learning from that situation there, lightning doesn't strike quite twice that second buzzer beater three a little more planned probably <laughs> checked the clock before the inbound play started but such a masterful job of getting the pump fake up and finding the time and space to release that shot or maybe i should say creating the time and space with the absurd jumping ability and the three-pointness and the clutchness two of demar's maybe four biggest criticizing points, the other two being playoffs and defense. So obviously not too much you can do about the playoff talk until you get there. And I mean, the Bulls are first in the league, so I don't think anyone's going to cry too much about defense right now. But nice to see him check those two off as well. Yep, absolutely. And uh, beating Washington in, in that second one, uh, they obviously now three in a row against Orlando. Uh, but that Washington team comes back, gets a win against Charlotte last night. I would just shout out Kyle Kuzma's box score. Uh, he did a ton in that game. Uh, Max, recommend you check that out. Okay. Moving along here, the Toronto Raptors, uh, a team that hasn't gotten much love from us over the past couple weeks because of COVID, uh, obviously postponing some of the games. And then when they were back, pretty depleted roster uh, against teams like the Cavaliers and the 76ers, but they do get now the other side of the coin. They get healthier, um, almost their full roster ready for the games against the Clippers and the Knicks uh, whose rosters are, are missing a couple of key guys. And they were able to take advantage two really solid wins in both of those games, starting to gain chemistry between those three forwards uh, in Barnes, Siakam, and Ananobi, getting more and more playing time together. Uh, Gary Trent starting to figure some things out. Kem Birch is getting his legs as it's been a while since he's played, uh, and he's slowly integrating back into the lineup. It's it's a really interesting team right now and Nick Nurse is going to have to figure out how he wants to play his guys but really like he's going smaller in the starting lineup with Siakam at the center and Anobi Barnes Trent and and Fred Van Vliet and then on the bench he's got almost three centers that he's got to work between in Birch and Achua and Boucher um, and, and usually he'll have two of those guys on the court at the same time usually a Boucher plus one of the other two um, but he'll he'll have to figure out what sort of rotation he wants to work out with those guys. Uh, the bench for the Raptors has been pretty poor uh, this season, as evidenced by uh, Fred Van Vliet's stats. So every podcast, I'm going to shout out Fred. He has to make it to the All-Star game. But today on Zach Lowe's podcast, a little post, uh, mentioned a couple of key statistics. The, the net rating for Fred now standing at over plus 20. Uh, when he's on the court versus when he's off when he's on plus six per 100 possessions when he's off a minus 14 per 100 possessions that is dreadful and that is partially in part to how great fred's been partially in part to how bad the bench has been for the raptors uh but fred van vliet send this man to the all-star game yeah i caught a bit of that Knicks or Knicks raptors game the bit of the end of the first and most of the second and I guess against the depleted roster, like you said, the chemistry was there. Uh, and I, every time OG does anything, I'm just like, more, more, more. He's still, uh, 
I don't know. I think there's a lot of sharing to be figured out and he's had his opportunities early to have chances to take over with Barnes's growth. Siakam seems a lot more comfortable back in the space he's in right now, kind of at that like most improved player of the year season. Fred's spectacular. So on the OG watch, he doesn't have to do too much. The I still holding out hope though one day just like gonna hit that superstar level. Yeah, it it definitely the alpha dog chain right now in terms of scoring is Siakam is still that number one option for them. Mm-hmm. I would say Fred Van Vliet is the number one guy with the ball in his hands, not necessarily for scoring purposes, although he did against the Knicks with 35. Uh, but he's that that set up the offense playmaking guy. But they they are still having Siakam as that number one kind of isolation option, which has taken away some some of OG's share of the offense. But he'll get his opportunities as the season goes along. So will Scotty, and eventually they'll have to really figure out what that hierarchy looks like and if a move needs to be made in any regard. They all just have such a nice mix of shooting, decision-making, and post-play. Uh, OG I, and Siakam, the passing, I think is quite high level. Scotty, the confidence is way higher than his passing ability still. But my like dream fantasy with this team is those three being able to coordinate and feast on the mismatch and make each other's strengths their own. Yeah. I still think Pascal's probably the most developed, but all three mm-hmm. of them are still at their absolute best when they are the finisher and not the one with the ball in their hands. And, and that is you're just looking for one of them to really take that step. And that is when you have your answer. All right. Uh, last bit of notes here in basketball. Um, John Morant and Trey Young last night, two guys making their cases uh to ascend towards all-star status uh John Morant with with the win last night for Memphis really a tale of two teams both teams that I thought were going to take a step forward this season but Memphis has taken Atlanta's spot and Atlanta's really dropped down uh the standings for reasons we've already talked about this season but almost an exact kind of summary of the season in these two games tonight or last night for both these teams, Memphis with the win jaw goes off for 36 points, eight rebounds, six or eight assists, six rebounds, just torching the Brooklyn nets, getting anything he wanted, setting up guys, uh, great supporting cast Desmond Bain, a guy that I highlighted at the beginning of the season. I said, he was going to have a breakout year. One of the few takes that I can go back to and really say, I was right about this one. He had 29 points last night with a couple of fantastic buckets uh, late in the first half and playing well those two are are really becoming a great backcourt uh together on the other side trey young and the atlanta hawks uh fall in their matchup uh i believe it was against portland um and damian lillard starting to turn things around but a loss despite trey putting up 56 points and 14 assists uh <laughs> it's turning into trey young of, of a couple of years ago where he puts up unreal offensive stats and he will make the all-star team because of those stats but the team performance isn't there and and atlanta has a bunch of guys but they really need to figure out what the rotation is for this team and and they have to just get better on the defensive side period um so an excellent game he's actually the first player in nba history with 56 points and 14 assists 
exactly. Um, so pretty cool there, but doesn't mean anything if you don't win. Did you hear about what the GM said about after this game? I did not see that. This is a pretty lengthy quote and pretty unusual words to hear from a GM. Uh, Travis Schlenk. It's a hard pill to swallow when your team isn't playing as well as you think it should. Maybe I should lower my expectations for this team. It's the same thing every game. Ultimately, this all falls on me. So we need to take a long look at this and see if this group is the group we saw last year in the second half of the season, or if this is the group this year. There's no sense of urgency to make a stop. There's no sense of accountability that I'm going to stop my guy. It's just not there. It doesn't bother them. I hope it's a switch we can flip, but I don't know at this point. It's just frustrating because we've seen this group have success and to see the group not make the necessary effort plays to win an NBA game, it's just become frustrating. We have a few weeks before the trading deadline here, and this is what I need to figure out. It's my responsibility to put a product on the floor that can win, and right now I'm not sure I've done that. It, it, you're right. It is very interesting um, that he has kind of bluntly pointed out the the area that he as a general manager needs to focus on. Obviously, the media uh, fans are allowed to say a lot of that, but usually teams like to be a little bit more diplomatic in the way that they address those concerns. Uh, but he's out there, he's blunt. They've already made coaching changes over the past couple of seasons. So it truly does re- sit now with the GM's construction of the roster and the players. Uh, Cause there's only so many times you can switch coaches with the same results. And like he said, they were awesome. They made it to the Eastern conference finals. Uh, they were probably a Trey Young injury away from maybe stealing it because uh, Giannis only came back late in that series. And so, like he said in his quote, is there that switch? I think we're deep enough into the season that we've realized it's not there and, and something something needs to change. It has to maybe be a three-for-one move where you get that bigger superstar for three of your really solid players or... Uh, something has to be said behind the scenes maybe not a players only meeting but the 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 law has to be brought down by someone uh with influence in that organization at some point because they need to get going now if they're going to even have a chance to get outside of that play in tournament i mean in today's modern nba less spacing is always going to be a bad thing and a risk a team has to take on but for this Hawks team that could really use some defense, do you think Ben Simmons is one of the more, or do you think that makes them one of the teams who Ben Simmons would be most appealing towards? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I think he fits really well with a guy like Trey Young, who has to have the ball in his hands a lot of the time, and Ben Simmons can play off of that. Well, the only thing is, Jimmy is ben Butler Simmons, just coughed. Yeah, well, Ben Simmons will have to. Again, for a lot of the places we want Ben Simmons, he has to buy into being a guy who's willing Mm. to set screens and play off the ball, which he hasn't necessarily shown a ton of in the past. Um, It's a team that could make it work. They just don't have necessarily a ton of massive contracts to match salaries with with Ben Simmons. I guess you could throw in a John Collins or a Capella, but do any of those guys move the needle enough for a 76ers team that wants to win now? My, I guess the trade that I would think about is something like either Bogdanovich, one of Bogdanovich or Herter, John Collins, and then one of 
Reddish or Hunter. Because out of those five guys that I just named, none of them are super duper stars, kind of in that 30 players that Daryl Morey will trade for. But together, the value of that is pretty high. Um, And then I guess coming back the other way would be like, well, obviously Ben Simmons, but then maybe a guy like Korkmaz or uh, Danny Green, where you just match the salaries together. Yeah, can't speak to the salary specifications, but if I could get rid of Simmons for uh, three, like a mix of like role players and starters and particularly ones who had success and were important during Atlanta's playoff success last year, I'd make that trade in a heartbeat. One other bit in this extended basketball storylines, though, I got neither of my player of the month calls right. It went to Donovan Mitchell and Joel Embiid, which I heard people saying Donovan will probably get it, not LeBron. I guess with the time uh, DeRozan had to play out, and that one highlight was in January, Embiid, the safer, steadier choice. Yeah, yeah not much to say there. All four of those guys had fantastic months. Um, I think the, the piece that I'm pushing for with, with DeMar is, is the all-star game. For sure. That that for basketball? I believe so. All right. We get on to talking hockey of which there's really not much to talk these days. I don't think we've had a pod since the World Juniors got fucking canceled. Uh, We got one Canadian game to watch, though, although it looks like um, not another one coming tomorrow or a reduced one coming tomorrow. This is a really dreary hockey segment, but that's kind (laughs) of the state of things, ain't it? Yeah, there's lots of movement. I what I what I heard today on the airwaves is that Sportsnet and CBC want games in Canada for Wednesdays and Saturdays because those are their marquee nights for their broadcast. Um, but besides that, a lot of the Canadian teams are pushing to have games postponed until they're allowed to have more fans back in the arena because they are losing a ton of gate revenue uh, on games that are being played without fans. Huh. And it's like the Americans made some changes to their COVID policy for testing that's letting players who test positive get back quicker. Those same chains, those same changes, I believe, have not been made in Canada yet, which I can't remember if that was part of it or I don't really understand what's going on with the Canadian teams right now. Yeah, it's it's a lot of movement. Um, they'll have the three weeks in the all-star game to figure it out, but we do have some hockey to talk in the meantime. I don't want to get too dreary with it. I uh, want to shout out Alexander Ovechkin for becoming the all-time leader in power play goals in NHL history. A big congratulations to him. Uh, and he's only going to extend that lead over the rest of his red hot season. Uh, we also had the winter classic happen on new year's day. Um, pretty crazy to have the side-by-side of 20, 30,000 people uh, at Target Field in Minnesota watching a game and then side-by-side with an empty indoor Scotiabank arena and, and thinking this is the same league right now. Uh, that Winter Classic, 
they actually had to heat the ice a little bit for that game because it was minus 22 degrees Celsius at puck drop. Um, maybe one of the coldest winter classics we've ever had. Uh, and, and Minnesota really making a stake to, to say that they should be a Canadian city with, with those kind of temperatures. Uh, but a fun game, St. Louis kind of spoiling a bit of the fun there in, in Minneapolis. But um, the highlight of that game was just a bizarre goal from, I don't even know who it was on Minnesota, but he was looking to make a pass out to the point it looked like deflected off a defender stick and then off a defender skate and, and, or off a defender stick and then off of the back of Bennington's head uh, and into the net. Very uh, <laughs> opportune and unexpected moment, but a pretty cool one at that. And, and an overall great winter classic there um, uh, in Minnesota. So keeping that tradition alive is always a fun one. On the other side, the game that I spoke about in the side-by-side, the Leafs and the Senators playing at an empty Scotiabank arena, save for uh, a couple hundred friends and family. And then, of course, two Leafs superfans up in the box. Uh, Max, I don't know if you've seen that guy in Alberta, his Leafs memorabilia collection. I think it's around $300,000 worth of, of Leaf merchandise in the dude's basement. He's got every jersey you could possibly imagine. It's, it's pretty cool. I'd recommend you check that out. Oh, it's this is starting to ring a bell now. Yeah, uh, and and quite a welcome back for the Leafs <laughs> in their first game back from a extended break. They just wiped the floor with the Senators. That was a fun one to watch for me with my girlfriend's family, who are all Senators <laughs> fans. Uh, I was soaking it all in, but the Leafs kind of dominated this game from wire to wire. Never really was in doubt. Um, there was one point where Ottawa, well, they started the game with two shots in 10 minutes and then didn't really get one after their 12th shot until halfway through the second. So Leafs really dominating. They don't manage to score on a couple of power plays, but then somehow keep the momentum going as they go on the penalty kill. Two shorthanded goals in 27 seconds, the fastest two shorthanded goals scored in a game since I think the 80s. Uh, Justin Hall getting one, which is great for his confidence. He looked a lot better in this game than he has the rest of the season. Uh, and pretty crazy because right before that, he caught a skate to the face um, from Rasmus Sandin. Not the blade itself, but the skate hit him in the nose. So when he scored, he was selling against the glass with two wads of uh, tissue stuck up his nostrils. Pretty funny moment. And then Ilya Mikheyev, another guy, his second game so far the season. He gets two actually in this game, one on the power play and then one on the penalty kill where he looks fast and actually buries it for once. That oh might be God. the first time McKayev actually scores on a breakaway. He's um, like one for 50 on shorthanded breakaways. Yeah, it's absurd. But Superman and uh, Holly getting getting some great confidence boosters from their performances in this game. And then the third guy who was awesome in this one as well, William Nylander. And I thought early in the game, he was floating a lot, doing the hair skating, as my dad likes to say, uh, but managed to get involved offensively later on in the game. Uh, a fantastic breakaway goal, just undressed uh, Matt Murray, and then an absolute bomb, <laughs> just a clapper to, to score his sixth and the final, or the, the sixth goal of the game for the Leafs and the final one, nail in the cough, coffin there. Um, they play Edmonton tomorrow night. And this game really could be the end of, of 
Dave Tippett's run with the Oilers because they are struggling right now. And, and the Leafs are definitely not a team that they want to play because as we have documented in this podcast in the fact in the past is that the Leafs own the Oilers right now. And I probably just jinxed it by saying this, uh, but I am looking forward to that game tomorrow night. It's looking like no McDavid or Matthews though. eh? Yeah. Uh, was hoping that the Matthews one was maybe a false positive, but I guess not. So that that could really well the last i heard was three four hours ago i don't know if you've been updated more recently it was that matthew actually cleared a pcr negative today so maybe it was a false positive then. so there's a chance for matthews but mcdavid sounded pretty which i'll take <laughs> yeah i mean bummer because we don't get to see him play but yeah a boost for Leafs in the standings, hopefully. Again, I've probably jinxed it now with all this talk. A little yeah, too much it's confidence. It's going to 180, just McDavid, no Matthews. And <laughs> the Leafs go on a 10-year losing streak to the Oilers. Well done, oh. Yeah. Hey, there's just... Uh, what is it? The clown. I'm just the clown putting on his makeup over mm-hmm. and over again. So, uh, yeah, there you go. A, a rough hockey segment to get through, but we have done so. Um, and I think that's just about going to wrap up this one. Our first podcast in the new year, our 99th podcast, uh, on, on the channel. So thank you everyone who stuck with us through this, uh, through this journey. And we hope you keep listening into the new year. Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Max, I'll leave it to you. It was a great one. Sports next door signing out.